This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 133, another Wisdom Wednesday with Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja Wisdom Wednesday. On this Wisdom Wednesday, I'm joined by Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott from Join Ops Properties. And in today's episode, we're going to be looking at private lending and bridge loans. We're going to look at exactly what private lending is, walk through the private lending process, and discuss the pros and cons of private lending. If you're interested in private lending and more specific in the investment opportunity that Jimmy and Bob will be discussing today, the three of us are hosting a webinar in about a week's time and you can access this webinar and register for this webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Lobsher or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start or how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at joinopsproperties.com. Globally, coffee is a $90 billion industry, and International Coffee Farms offers a sustainable income opportunity through offshore sustainable agriculture. You can own a parcel of your very own cash-flowing specialty coffee farm in Panama. Sustainable income through sustainable agriculture. For more information on this income opportunity, you can download your free report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. I've spoken about the most powerful system on the planet on this podcast, the banking system. My firm, Valhalla Wealth Financial, helps people reclaim the banking function within their own lives through leveraging the tools and strategies of the wealthy. If you're interested in reclaiming the banking function within your own life and the infinite banking concept, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com. Jimmy and Bob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ninja. What's going on, Ninja? <laughs> now, for listeners that are not familiar with you guys and Join Ops Properties, can you give a little bit of an overview just of what you guys do and what value you provide to the marketplace? Yeah, sure. So we are single-family uh, real estate investors in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, it's pretty much the heartland, center of the United States. Uh, we're both born and raised here. We've been uh, both real estate investors for um, a little over 10 years, and we decided to team up um, about three years ago. Uh, and in that three-year period, um, we've kind of settled on um, doing lease options as our primary model. And uh, we've got a portfolio of 120 single-family homes here in St. Louis. 
Now, fantastic. Now, t- the topic of today's conversation is private lending and more specifically bridge loans. Can you guys share a little bit exactly what private lending is and give us a little bit of a brief overview and then also include in that exactly what bridge loans are within this uh, niche of private lending? Sure. Yeah. Private lending is really very simple. Um, so w- when you go to uh, typically buy a house, you're going to go uh, to to the local corner bank and qualify you know, for a mortgage and borrow money from a bank. But instead of real estate investors going to a bank to borrow money, we just go to a private individual to borrow that same money to purchase the house. The private lender still has the same security that the bank does. Um, when you get a mortgage, so there everything is done through a title company. Um, there, there's title insurance, and uh, the the private lender is secured against the property. They, they get actually a deed of trust against it, so it's a secured uh, investment against the asset. And at the end of the day, when you deposit your money in a bank or a CD, uh, the bank's going to inflate it by ten times and ending uh, end up loaning it to us anyway. So private lending, it's the same deal, except we cut out the middleman of the commercial banks. And the access to earning interest instead of paying it like most people do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're going to pay you an interest rate where you're going to, at a minimum, beat inflation, which you're not going to be able to do inside a bank. Right. Now, let's talk about the the process and give us an overview of how it works, how you guys, if you can just walk us through from when you purchase the property, the private lending side of it, and uh, how this all fits in together of what you guys uh, do every day in your business. Yeah, sure. So, um, part of our model in order to, to find properties um, that, that are, that are going to fit and be good cash flow investments is we need to pick up properties at a, at a very deep discount. And we're typically buying homes um, anywhere between 30 to 50 cents on the dollar. Uh, and for us to do that, uh, we, we need to make strong offers, cash offers. These are typically homes that need a little bit of work. Um, and there are some reason that the home seller needs to sell quickly. So there's some type of motivation, whether it's a foreclosure, a short sale, uh, maybe an estate deal, or somebody's moved out of town, or they're a distressed landlord. And that's the whole reason we need to use private money in the first place, is we need to close these deals relatively quickly. And nowadays, uh, it can typically take anywhere between four to six weeks to close a traditional bank loan. And most of these deals are, are gone long before you can go through the underwriting process and get an appraisal and go through all the, the bureaucracy and red tape of getting a mortgage. So we use private lenders to, to basically be able to, to jump on these hot deals um, as quickly as possible. Anything to add to that? Um, nope. Yeah, so um, basically once we, once we find a deal and we put it under contract, um, we, we create a, a simple kind of prospectus basically and just say, you know, this is why we like the, the investment. Uh, you know, we've done over 200 transactions, like I said, currently holding around 124 uh, properties in our portfolio. Uh, we make 10 offers for every deal we get accepted and we probably look at another 30 or 40 homes. Um, so we're looking through a lot of homes and, and seeing a lot of deals come across our desk and really trying to pick out the cream of the crop. And then once we've, we've locked that deal up, um, we line up a private lender 
Um, and then everything is done through a third-party title company. You're never sending uh, the money to a real estate investor directly. You're going you know, to send it to the title company, and they're making sure that your investment is really secured against the property, that the title is clear, uh, doing all the, the paperwork and all the detail stuff. And what, what I always say to our private lenders when they're getting uh, familiar with our process is um, you just have to imagine you, you are the bank now. And generally that clicks for them. And every legal right a bank has, you now have. It's the same exact thing. We just cut out that middleman once again. And this does a lot of different things uh, from your side. It provides a competitive advantage for you guys because you can move very, very quickly, as Bob was describing, and move on these properties and get them under contract and pay cash for them instead of waiting for a bank and going through this bureaucratic process where sometimes you don't even have access to the guy that's going to sign off on those documents. So you're basically you know, beholden to them at that stage. Well, I have a theory that most bankers wouldn't know a great deal if it hit them in their ass. So, <laughs> they, no, they probably wouldn't. Um, or, or one guy on their bank committee wouldn't notice that great deal. What I love about the private lending is I call our private lenders, I explain them to the deal, and it's a yay or nay. I, I don't have to go to a committee. I don't have to uh, – the, the most frustrating thing for me about the banks is there's like 10 people whose opinion. I have to now sell to. What I love about private lending is there's one person. Yeah. And it's also um, much simpler than, and I, and I think um, people expect. I mean, I think our private lenders are always shocked at, you know, how easy the process is. And I mean, real estate really is, is really not that complex. You know, we, 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 sh- we show basically um, comps or what's called comparable sales uh, for a home. So we have a subject property that's, a, uh, a three bed, one bath, thousand square foot ranch. We can go in to a half mile, you know, mile radius around that house and say, what are three bedroom, one bath, thousand square foot ranches selling for in this neighborhood? And if, if homes are selling for a uh, hundred thousand dollars in that neighborhood, our goal is, is to buy it for 30 to $50,000, depending on, on how much work the, the home needs. And that right there is the level of safety for our private lenders, and it's our profit as investors. So you know, even if the market dropped 25% and home prices came down to 75000 we still bought at a, at a deep discount. Um, and, and so there's, that's the level of security. Uh, so that's one of the tiers of, of analysis we do when we're identifying good properties. The second tier is, is the property going to cash flow? So, um, you know, we'll look at, you know, what homes are running for in that area. And based upon our experience with some of the other properties we already have in our portfolio, we, we have a good idea um, what the things are going to, you know, rent for on a monthly basis. And then we just work it backwards. You know, if we're bringing $1,000 per month rent on that $100,000 um property and our taxes and insurance are going to cost us $150 per month. We're going to pay our private lender, you know, $400 per month out of that. Then all in what's left is our cash flow. And and again, protection for our private lenders. They know, you know, it's very simple to see where my return is coming from when, when this property is going to pay X monthly. So if I'm a person that, that is interested in becoming a private lender and acting as a bank for you guys, and I enroll in the process and obviously I have all the information, what is kind of the, the time frame that the money is tied up 
uh, in in properties. Um, do you guys refinance at a certain stage? Is there is there new money coming in? What are some of the returns that uh, investors can look at? Um, anything that you can share uh, around that? So so right now our notes the terms are two years and we pay eight percent. And now as far as the investor getting their original capital back, uh, there's several things that could happen. Since it's all leased to own, the tenant buyer, their their contract is for two years. So the first way they get their capital back is the tenant buyer buys the house from us. Another way is another investor buys the house from us. Um, another way is then if it goes, if the house hasn't been bought in two years or a tenant buyer hasn't bought it from us, we'll either call a private investor and say, hey, you're getting an above market rate of return. You want to keep it going? If they say no, we'll just go to a commercial lender or another private lender and refinance it now. Gotcha. And what's what's the minimum amount that uh, private investors for this private lending opportunity and bridge loans can uh, can give you guys to access this opportunity? Uh, Thirty five thousand. Okay. All right. Thirty five thousand. Now let's talk about some of the pros and the cons of this, because obviously, you know, if I'm a private investor uh, and I have access to capital uh, at eight percent for two years, I, and this is annualized, right? Right. Yeah, the fantastic return on my money. I'm acting as the bank. Uh, it's collateralized. Um, can you guys share a little bit more some of the other pros around this? Uh, that is there. What is this good for? What type of investor is this good for? Um, and then also we'll jump into the cons after that too. I mean, I think the main pro of investing with us is that we don't really speculate. We are cash flow investors. So our proposition isn't, hey, you're going to get a return if the market in St. Louis appreciates by 10%. Or we don't even say, hey, if we're able to rent this out, will you get your interest? You get your interest no matter what. Like we had a house, had a, a garage burned down, and that private lender still got their interest check that quarter. Yeah, I think that's the most important, you know, distinction is, you know, if you've got a little bit of capital and you, you, you're full time something else, you got a great job, maybe in sales, you're a doctor, a lawyer, whatever you're doing, you know, you don't really need the, the distraction of trying to go buy a, a one off single family and manage it, right? And if mm. you buy that one property and, and all of a sudden, you know, you have, you have an eviction you have to go through, um, you have to do some repairs on the property. Um, one, it's taking away from your, your core unique ability, what you're, what you're, you know, you do and you know to make your money. Um, and then two, it, it's just a, a very volatile situation when you've got one property, even a handful of properties, five properties, you know, if one tenant leaves, um, that can really hurt where when, when you're in a private lending situation, it doesn't matter what's going on with the property, whether like Jimmy mentioned, if it's occupied, it's vacant, whether it's a fiction where the property burns down, you're just like the bank. You're going to get that, that check every month or every quarter, however we, we've set it up. And then uh, speaking of distractions, I think it's an unnecessary distraction to be checking what your uh, portfolio is doing every day in a mutual fund. Like if I was in charge of a mutual fund and giving everybody 8%, I'd be on the cover of Forbes. Right. So. Right. And I mean, and that's the big attraction of this type of investment because uh, 
we, we, we've spoken about this before. Markets are a little bit insane. Uh, it's lost touch with reality. So markets are at all-time highs. There are investors repositioning their portfolios and assets because, you know, expecting a, a possible uh, a correction in the markets or even a severe downside to it. Um, this is a wonderful way of putting your, taking your uh, part of your portfolio or your assets and putting it to something that's not correlated with the madness that's going on uh, in global markets and in Wall Street right now. Right. And if there is a market correction, and let's say, I've already touched on this, but real estate values in St. Louis are cut in half. Right. Uh, investors still protected, and we still have a tenant in there paying rent. And so they're going to get their interest payments every quarter. Yeah, and if you look at what actually happens to uh, rental rates in, in down times, typically rents increase because less people are buying, more people have gone through uh, foreclosure or job loss, and so rent rates actually increase in, in a downturn. So our, our cash flow actually, actually goes up. So to answer your question, who this is for, this is someone who has liquidity in a life insurance policy, someone who has liquidity in a self-directed IRA, or someone who just has liquidity in a bank. That's uh, This type of investment isn't going to make you rich, but it's going to protect the capital you've already earned, and it's going to give you a pretty good return. Yeah, and the other thing that I also want to touch on, I just made a note as you guys were talking here about asset classes and and so forth. I think one of the biggest risks that I see out there isn't necessarily the asset that it's in, but also the institutional risks and uh, who your money's worth, right? Because uh, with with you guys, are there other money lenders out there private that offers uh, private money lending opportunities? Absolutely. But do they have their checks and balances down? Are they conservative in their approach? Uh, do they have all these checklists that you guys have in place? A lot of guys are taking private monies to flip, and if there is a crash in the market, and the guy can't turn that property, it's a problem. You're listening to Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. International Coffee Farms is a real estate-based specialty coffee farm ownership opportunity. You can own deeded, half-acre parcels in title, already operating specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama. They are turnkey managed professionally on your behalf by a team of local experts with sustainable average income of 12% and with cash flow beginning in 12 to 15 months from the date of your parcel ownership. International Coffee Farms' mission is to own and operate specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama that are economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable. As part of this mission, 20% of the gross profits of each farm goes towards a socially sustainable fund to improve the lives of the coffee farm workers and their families. International Coffee Farms currently owns and operates eight specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama, with parcels available for immediate ownership. To find out how you can become a parcel owner, you can download your free income opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. You're listening to Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. And now back to our interview. It's not necessarily of what your money is in. So what I don't want listeners to do is walk away from this episode and say, okay, you know, private money lending, and I'm looking it up and, oh, I found this guy that, 
you know, that they don't even know they listened to the show and they thought, oh, well, we discussed what a great opportunity it is to, to put money into a vehicle that's not, uh, that, that's not correlated to the stock market that earns a predictable return. And the other side of it, that guy is, as you said, Jimmy, he's going to flip it. So there's actually enormous risk to it. So be very careful. And, and if you're listening to this, guys, it's all about who your money's worth. Just think about the lost financial crisis, right? If your money was with Lehman Brothers, <laughs> you'd be in a little bit of trouble. If your money was with Bear Stearns, uh, yeah, you, you've, you've really got it coming to you. So uh, even if, the, and, and, and taking it into a different asset class, right? There's a lot of operators and multifamily syndications, for instance. There's operators and turnkey real estate investments. There's operators and private lending. Be very careful uh, and do your own research, do your own due diligence, but please don't just look at the asset clause, but also look at the institution or the parties that are offering this opportunity and make sure that they are aligned uh, with what we're talking about here. They have the checklists in place. Uh, and they've got their ducks in a row because if their ducks are not in a row, as you guys just alluded to, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that can happen with an investment clause such as this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. And we've really tried to structure our business um, to kind of weather any financial storms. And, you know, we're big followers and believers in the Austrian school of economics. Um, you know, we we both kind of uh, I guess we're, we're entering the real estate arena around the time of the last crash and we're really fascinated by, you know, all these, these macro things going on and, and it really forced us to say, all right, if we're going to get into real estate, how can we make this a sustainable business that it's not just going to do well in the good times, but we'll also do well in the bad times. Right. And what I've uh, learned about St. Louis too, and just through a little bit of research as well, really, really good cash flowing market for investment property. Can you guys share a little bit more just what's going on there in general within the market? Uh, just give us a little bit of an overview just so that listeners can get a little bit more information too about the real estate market there. Yeah, I mean, the official like city nickname is actually getting turned into cash flow heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a, uh, from, a, from the Cashflow Ninja podcast, we love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to give you this uh, quick overview, whatever these well-built houses that were built in the 70s, or probably the 60s and 70s, uh, they're a 1,000 square foot, three bedroom, two bath, and if I put these houses on wheels, what I'm buying for 40,000 and drove it up to Newtown, Pennsylvania, it's going to be worth $350,000 without, without any doubt in my mind. So as to why specifically um, that's happening in St. Louis, I'll let Bob kind of, I mean, yeah, it just, it's St. Louis, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a sexy town. It's a very conservative town. Um, we don't have huge swings in the market, like on the coast. Um, you're, you're never going to have a huge appreciation play. And, and so it's just kind of just been a, a sleeper. And I think there's uh, a ton of, I found this out. There's a ton of IRS fraud in this, like people filing false returns in St. Louis and St. Louis is a hotbed for it because incomes just stay level and have been level for 20 years. So I, I'm assuming that would affect the real estate market at, at a certain point. Yeah. And, 
What are some of the outlook to for jobs in that area? Is it growing a little bit? There's new companies coming in, expanding. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Like the county we invest in has Boeing, Express Scripts. Um, the, there's a bunch of a big I, our Social Security bill. Social Security. There's uh, the uh, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency is moving here. Yeah, it's it's a very diverse. Um, you know, economic source as far as like different jobs and everything else. And that's one of the great things that, you know, healthcare is very big here. There's not one industry that that St. Louis is is really relying upon. I think we're like hiding in plain sight. We're not going to be like Texas. We're like, Oh, the oil market is why this real estate is going to be strong forever. Right. There's nothing like, there's not anything an absolute home run, but there's a bunch of singles hitters out here. No, and I mean, that's perfect. And uh, Bob, you mentioned that it's conservative. The town is conservative. The state is conservative. Um, so their finances are in order. Can you talk a little bit about the taxes? What are property taxes like over there? Well, for the record, there's no moocher and looter bureaucratic organization whose finances are in order. So <laughs> I'm not even, <laughs> even going to try to sell that to anybody. No, no, please don't. <laughs> no, I mean, are, are we the Communist Republic of Illinois, like across the Mississippi from us? No. Right. But are we like uh, Galt's Gulch of free market capitalism? No. <laughs> yeah. but, but overall, uh, real estate taxes are very low. Um, they're, they're probably... Uh, half of what they are on, on the Illinois side. Um, the other great thing is, is there's no transfer taxes. Um, I think uh, there's eight states that border Missouri and they all have transfer tax. Um, most states in the United States have it. So, um, Why don't you explain that? Because I didn't even know that. Yeah, so transfer tax is basically whenever you, you transfer the deed to a property, um, either buying or selling, you're going you're gonna to pay taxes. Uh, it's an additional tax that this. Uh, outside of you know your, your regular real estate taxes, your ad valorem taxes you're going to pay every year. It's not a sales tax. Uh, it's not a capital gains tax. It's literally you know to, to transfer a property from from myself to Jimmy, I gotta I gotta pay a tax. So um, for a reason, Missouri doesn't have that. So it, it, it lowers the cost of doing business when you when you operate in the real estate arena. Um, and then as far as like. Um, the, the level of uh, oversight and, um, you know, there's this phrase out there, you know, is it a landlord-friendly state? Um, Missouri is definitely on the scale being closer to landlord-friendly. It's not the friendliest, but it, it's also, again, not, not as bad as Illinois or, or New York or California. You know, if you, if you have a tenant uh, in California and they know the law and they know how to work you, I mean, it, it could be a year or two before you get them out of your property. So it, it's relatively... Um, speedy process to, to get somebody who defaults out of the property quickly we can get it back and turn it back into a, a cash flow producing asset again and this is the asset backing this private loan so that's why you know it's interesting to hear all of this information as well and it's very interesting what you just said about the transfer tax because i've i've heard of guys and, and know guys that have run into trouble where they had to close quickly on a property in their name and then transferring it into the LLC for asset protection was a complete nightmare because of this transfer taxes. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty ridiculous. So we're very lucky to be doing business here. Guys, anything else around private lending uh, that you guys want to share before I tell our listeners where they can jump on uh, to a webinar with the three of us uh, in the coming week? I think they should be cognizant of the downside. Yeah. Uh, 
One of the downsides is this interest is taxed in ordinary income. And that's really why we discovered IBC, because we needed to find some sort of vehicle um, where our private lenders weren't getting hammered on the on their taxes. Because most of our private lenders, when we, especially when we first started, were all high-income earners getting taxed at 50%. So we were having to pay higher interest because our private lenders were saying, hey, if you give me 10, I really only put 5% in my pocket. So that's why we started funneling all of our private lenders into IBC. So the insurance policy would offset the tax liability. So the other downside is if uh, Bob and I were to default, and we've done over 150 of these, we've never defaulted, but at a minimum, if we do default, you at least have a cash flowing property in St. Louis. And you sh- you probably, most likely you could sell that property to another investor or a wholesaler quickly to liquidate. Yeah, you, you have a real asset. And if you, you look at what um, even just replacement costs for most of these homes, you know, to build them brand new today from scratch um, is going to cost you, you know, $120,000 where you're able to, to, you know, make an investment and be in for half that cost um, is pretty insane. So there's, yeah, it's a downside and, and you might take a little bit of a haircut, but in the end, it's, it's in my opinion, way better than investing in the stock market and having nothing but pure paper. Like when they default, you're the last in line to get anything if you're going to get anything. So that is correct. Uh, for the listeners out there, uh, the stock that you own, if you own, I'm not even going to get on that rant. If you own it in a qualified plan, uh, you know, if you, if you buy a mutual fund just through your Fidelity account, guys, the, the company stock that's in that mutual, they have no idea who you are. Yeah. <laughs> they have never, they've never heard of you. <laughs> and in a qualified uh, plan, it's, it's, it's even worse. But uh, to get off that little soapbox of mine, let me take a step back. You mentioned IBC and a strategy that you help uh, some of, uh, yeah, the, the, the clients that you work with for private lending implement. So let's just walk us through that. So I'm a private lender. I come, I put, you know, the money that I'm going to allocate into this opportunity. I'm going to put that in IBC first and then take a policy loan and then invest in this opportunity. Do you want us to walk through the mechanics of that? Yeah, just uh, share a little bit more about that. Okay, so let's say you have 75K in the bank and you're like, uh, I'm not getting any interest in a bank and the interest I do get is taxed. What am, what am I to do, Cash Flow Ninja? The Ninja is going to say, go talk. First of all, let me hook you up with an IBC policy. So the first year, about 75% can be liquid. So we're going to put this 75K into a policy and 50 of it's going to be liquid. You're then going to go talk to my good buddies, Jimmy and Bob in St. Louis, and you're going to lend them $50,000, and you're going to get the note. You're going to be the one and only name on a note and the deed of trust on a house in St. Louis. They are then going to pay you 8%. Now, the moochers and looters are going to want probably four of that. So the money Jimmy and Bob send you, you're going to pay put back in your own personal IBC bank, and you will have – probably a 50% tax on that. So that's 4%. But the good news is the insurance company is paying you 4 or 5% interest. So you truly are net-net going to make an 8% return on that. And your family has death benefit 
and your money is now working in two or three places at once. Right. And Did just I to be that correctly. Yeah. And just to be clear, you're going to, uh, you're going to get a, ten, a, a 1099, right? Right. Uh, so you'll get that because that's a question that a lot of clients of mine have uh, when they talk about this strategy is, well, because the, you know, it's the, it is the mindset still that about qualified retirement plans of owning stuff inside of that. This is not inside the life insurance vehicle. It's complete. It's outside of it. So, uh, the money moves outside of that vehicle into the private lending opportunity and to the note. There's interest being paid there. There's taxes due on that at 1099. And then the loan is paid back to the, the policy loan, um, in that way. So it's complete. It's, it's again, as, as Jimmy was explaining, there's a lot of moving parts here and pieces and the money's doing multiple jobs at the same time. But it's all separate. None of it's together. It's not like, uh, you know, we're the example. And I was speaking with Tom Wheelwright about this too, of purchasing a real estate investment property, for instance, inside of an IRA. This is not not this at all. Right. Uh, it's separate transactions in separate different situations. So it's just a way of thinking that your money's working in many different places at the same time, uh, simultaneously for you, um, doing many different jobs. Uh, and as you mentioned, the life insurance component too, protecting insurability that you might have. And I would say 60% of our private capital right now is coming from self-directed IRAs. And then the other is cash. And while I'm on these calls with these investors, I'm like, please put this in a, in a life insurance policy first. And some do and some don't. Yeah, and again, it comes to that that wealth capture, right? Capturing your wealth and then leveraging it. So a lot of the stuff that that I talk about too is, you know, from when you look at the wealth pyramid, obviously IBC and the whole life is right at the bottom, a solid, solid foundation for it. And then on top of this, of this in the pyramid, as we stack it, something like this private lending opportunity would be there. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then from, from there on, um, we could stack other opportunities like life settlements, real estate, uh, turnkey with the lease options that you guys have, uh, and so forth until we get to more riskier investments. But this is a solid base for your investments. Yeah, all the IBC does, it just adds velocity to your dollars. Right. Guys, uh, any parting words before we finish off our interview? I just, uh, I'm on just, I feel like I really made it, MC. This is my third time on the <laughs> Cashflow Ninja, like Kiyosaki, one time. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy and Bob, three. Three. Peter Schiff, one time. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm on cloud nine today. <laughs> <laughs> no, fantastic. And listen, you guys are up to some really cool stuff too. There's a podcast that you guys are doing and obviously your YouTube channel uh, is awesome. Tell the listeners where they can find more information about uh, this podcast that you guys are doing and also your YouTube and then your website. So yeah, our, our new podcast is called Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast. And um, the way this business really started is we'd have an idea, we'd start something, we'd fail, we'd really screw it up. And then we'd come in on Friday and we'd invite another entrepreneur who was doing what we were trying to do right. We'd have a few beers and we'd kind of uh, hack it out what we needed to do. And that's really how we started growing our business. So now we just systematize that and we record it. 
and we record it at Fridays on 4.30. And so on this podcast, you'll just hear different entrepreneurs coming on, kind of talking about their problems and whatever comes to their mind after two, two and a half drinks. And then uh, we have our uh, our uh, YouTube channel. Just go into YouTube and search Join Ops Properties. We put a video out a day. And then our website is uh, joinopsproperties.com. If you need to get a hold of us or have any questions, just email me at uh, joinopsproperties at gmail.com. Fantastic. Uh, and then for the webinar that we'll be doing on this private lending topic and the opportunity that uh, Jimmy and Bob has for you at Join Ops Properties, we can go to cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. That's cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending and register for this webinar that we'll be hosting. Guys, thank you so much for coming on again, third time. Love having you on and providing so much value for my listeners. Thanks, Ninja. Thank you. Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy, according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Thank you for joining my guests, Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes, and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. Coffee is a proven product and a $90 billion industry worldwide. Through international coffee farms, you have a chance to own and operate your own half-acre parcels in a specialty coffee farm in Panama, professionally turnkey managed for you. You can download your coffee farm ownership opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, cashflowninja.com. 
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.